PD Raw is a podcast sharing the experiences and insights of people with personality disorders or traits by being brave and talking about the things that are shameful and painful. Humans demystify and destigmatize the things that we hide. The aim of this podcast is to let others know that they are not alone. By showing the reality behind our walls, we hope to bring people closer together, connecting in a more open and authentic way. Please be aware that, due to its topic, this podcast is adults only, not safe for work, and may contain triggering content. Hello, Mud, and welcome back to the pod. Hi, Noda. You have generously agreed to come on and discuss me because I have an article right here and it's called, Is the Highly Sensitive Person Really a Narcissist at Heart? Uh, yes. So- <laughs> the end. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so tell me why you think that before I even read it out. So... I have my own thoughts as to um, psychology and and what constitutes mental illness in general. And I sort of lump it all into one big old thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would say um, the highly sensitive person, I mean, it's, it's, I guess this is what vulnerable narcissism is. Um, Mm. it's people who who perceive themselves to be um aggressed upon and victimized a lot right like mm-hmm. and um they're special and you know extra sensitive and they have all these needs that you know need to be accommodated so it's like um and i've mentioned before the the rccx theory uh this would actually be very related to that as well and, and autism is highly related to hsp and all that okay well can i start reading you this article go ahead yeah because i did definitely identify as um hsp and my nervous system is very reactive and it shits me but anyway okay so the key points are that the hypersensitive person highly attuned to external stimuli may become convinced of their own superiority to others. Uh, New research establishes the constellation of traits that connect hypersensitivity as a general trait to the vulnerable form of narcissism. Breaking the cycle of hypersensitivity may take effort, but it can prove worthwhile in promoting healthier adaption. Okay. So this is on the Psychology Today website and mm-hmm. I just just happened to come across it and, yeah, I as I read it, it was really, really uncomfortable. And I think in our last chat we talked about that challenge to your ego when mm-hmm. you do therapy and stuff or when you research and you, you see stuff and it's, it's quite painful because you do recognise yourself and it hurts your vanity. So mm-hmm. um, that's what it's about. It says um, <laughs> the highly sensitive person with their high sensory processing sensitivity, 
has what authors refer to as a two-sided gift. On the plus side, they may feel they have superpowers in being so attuned to their environment. However, balancing out this strength is the possibility that complex situations can become overwhelming to them. They may also resent the so-called non-HSPs who don't respect or understand the extent of their distress in such circumstances. Mm -hmm. So that's like basically some of the things you were saying, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. And then the next paragraph says highly sensitive persons and the potential for narcissism. So the combination of feeling special along with the belief that others don't treat them right could uh, be seen as similar to self-importance and entitlement, two central features of narcissism. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the victim complex itself that sort of creates that dynamic, right? Like the... the, uh, I deserve things because I was mistreated. Okay. Oh, and that's so relevant in nowadays sort of climate, isn't it? Because a mm. lot of a lot of media has yeah, a lot of content has that mm. that thread running through it, doesn't it? Yeah, I, and I do I, deserve things. Yes. Cuz you know, I I deserve special treatment because I am mm. a victim. Yeah. Yeah. Not because no, I was not a victim. It's because um I I was envied. Envied. Mm-hmm. And people How were so? jealous, and so they 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 tried to hold me down. And, <laughs> and but I was not a, I was not a victim. God, gross. <laughs> so that's you, and that's your perspective. <laughs> Whereas other people are quite happy to be in that role, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and even have it as a main uh, feature of identity. Okay. Yes, they use the victim word as a uh, very potent weapon. They do, don't they? Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say there aren't victims of uh, life, but also, well, it, yeah, go on. Yes and no, because I, I, I really feel like the whole victim orientation is, uh, it's, it's always incomplete because if you're a victim, you now have, to reflect and and take into consideration that in becoming a victim, you have the victimizer inside of you. Oh, please elaborate. I mean, this is just in our interactions, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, An emotional interaction happens and you perceive yourself as being victimized. Mm -hmm. You are going to also internalize the other half of that. Mm-hmm. which is somebody victimizing you. And yeah. so all that we perceive, that is inside of us, right? Mm-hmm. Because we are representing these objects and concepts that we are interpreting from our reality around us mm-hmm. and then creating this sort of internal theater. And everything that we perceive in that little internal theater is also a part of us. Mm-hmm. And so what we perceive as something that we hate is also something that now is a part of us. And that's something to reconcile. And I think that's probably, probably the hardest part of like recovering from trauma is, is reconciling with uh, being the thing that you despise in some level. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, though that might be just trying to get a sense of control over what has happened to you? Well, 
not exactly. I think the, the taking the victim role and trying to use that as a way to persecute and condemn the victimizer is usually the, the control route. Um, oh, that's interesting. Whereas I, I think that internalizing all the roles is um, the empathetic and healing route. It's, it's called the trauma triangle and trauma is considered healed when you have internalized all three parts of this trauma triangle, which is difficult because we usually will despise and push away one of those roles. Mm-hmm. Which is and, savior, victim, perpetrator. Okay. So we generally will take on two of those. Is that what you're saying? Right. And so if you take on the perpetrator and savior role, you're taking on the roles with power. Mm-hmm. If you take on the victim and victimizer role, you're taking on the intimate roles. And um, oh. if you're taking on the victim and savior role, then you're taking on the moralistic ones. Uh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Have you done it? Have you managed I, I, the, Like, how does that feel? <laughs> I probably um, shouldn't ask you, should I? I, but... I I've pushed away the victim role because... Um, <laughs> Mm. So I, I'm, you know, like I, I've pushed away the vulnerable parts, I guess. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, and <laughs> yeah, and this leads me to that makes me think of that really fascinating topic, which is the um, NPD BPD attraction. Right. Yeah, and I'd say and, yeah. The yeah. whole, the whole, it's like it's called the um, drama of the trauma triangle or something like that and it's like we um choose people to be in our lives um who will fulfill one of the roles that we have sort of rejected from us that way we don't have oh, to own it yeah but then does that mean that once we've owned it we don't have any friends anymore because we don't, I don't need them <laughs> i don't know i don't want that um, I, I don't know if I it like means that like your life has to get boring and not dramatic anymore. Yeah, or, like you know. that's what it. I, that's what that's what it sounds like to me, and I don't like it anymore. <laughs> I, <don't> <laughs> <think>. <laughs> I want my friends, but yeah, um, definitely you can see in that NPD BPD attraction. There's the vulnerable person and the more uh, dominant person, and together they make more of a whole. I yeah, think. right, and. Mm. It, it ties into a lot of things in our life like I think about marriage right where it's like you have this this union in which two people are able to make a whole you know a coherent mm -hmm. whole and it binds yeah. them together it's, it's allegedly coherent it's like instead of being a whole person ourselves we're trying to merge with another person and this means that we necessarily have to try and control that person mm -hmm. because um we're not complete without them. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, and that applies to all parties involved, not not just the MPD one. Mm hmm. But then, yeah. But then, what do you do if you don't need them? That's my question. That's troubling me right now. Right. Um, yeah. Well, then you have um, an advantage, <laughs> and you have leverage because. Um, there's demand versus mm -hmm. supply. And if you have extra supply and they, you know, have this high demand, well, you, you get to um, exploit them. 
Right. Yes, that's your version of it. I I just playing the game. <laughs> Whereas I'd say, why would you even need someone like that? Okay. You know, well, they might be they might be expressing vulnerability. They, Am I, I right? I think for them, expressing vulnerability would mean owning their aggression. Mm-hmm. And that's something that they have trouble with because they like to see themselves as justified in their aggression and an aggrieved victim. But I am. Uh-huh. And that's how you become a perpetrator. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, who am I perpetrating on? Whoever you perceive to be the perpetrator. Um, uh -huh. And then you sort of have that back and forth where you... Yeah, uh, the, the, the person who perceives themselves as, like, the just, just savior or whatever, the savior is, like, the, the true false role. Oh, okay. Because it, it implies that there's this moral disparity, right? Like, one side's the good side and one side's the bad side. And so one side must be, you know, taken to account and the other side must be protected. Mm -hmm. When both sides need to be treated um, with understanding and, and, and treated equally because most conflicts actually there's shared blame like it, it's almost rarely the case that like one party is completely innocent you know mm -mm. yeah especially of course when you know each other and you have exactly. a history together yeah yeah so yeah there's all of that mm. okay all right, so I'm just going to keep going with my victim stance and read a little bit more of this article. Go okay. Ahead. So more specifically, the type of narcissism that may be involved is of the vulnerable variety, which they refer to as narcissism's introverted and neurotic manifestation. Oh, I love that N-word. Neurotic? <sighs> yeah, neurotic. Oh, Um. So I so they kind of characterize it by I can become entirely absorbed in thinking about my personal affairs, my cares, or my relations to others. And mm -hmm. also I feel that I am temperamentally different from most people. So that taps into the shy type of narcissism. Yep. So that was me, definitely until You were shy? Me? You were Hell shy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, definitely people person, but shy. Like my last job, I worked for almost 12 years in a little office and didn't get out. Well, I did a bit, but yeah, hated attention hmm. and stuff. And now uh, I seem to be going to another level of development and that's cracked open a bit and I'm more comfortable with it. So I think we've talked about um, having that harsh judging inner voice so if you externalize mm -hmm. that then you just see the world as very very unfriendly and I guess that's the hating attention so yeah when I started to research narcissism again a year ago and I was reading uh, things like that and that vulnerable narcissists hate attention because they perceive it as always being critical I was like oh here we go that's familiar mm -hmm. um Yep, okay, so going further along in this article, so somebody like this might be described as fragile. 
they expect to be treated with the softest of kid gloves. Uh, people mm-hmm. tiptoe around them. Um, and rather than being upset at themselves for their ultra sensitivity, they seem mm-hmm. to take pride in having this unique attribute that they believe, oh, this hurts, allows them to enjoy a richer inner life than the average person. Yeah. I don't recognize myself at all in that. So I, I hear a lot of a lot of people um, probably would recognize themselves in that. Okay, so it's not just me, it's them. Right. Oh good. I mean, it's so it's so many people. It's 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 actually just really wild how many people are like I was different in school. I didn't fit in. And it's like there's all these people who think that they're like very special, right? And they think, "Oh, I'm not like everyone else who, you know, was they, they fit in at school, you know, and they they like were neurotypical and they like had all it's like you no know, everybody actually everybody fucking felt that way everybody did what everybody at your school everybody at school mm-hmm. hated it everybody at school felt like they weren't seen they felt like they just didn't have a place where they belonged and mm-hmm. they were struggling to fit in and um it's, it's very rare that people like don't feel that way can you stop describing my life please <laughs> And then everyone's like that. They're like, oh, my God, like, if you enjoyed high school or whatever, get the fuck out. Like, you're you're fucking, it's like, no, (laughs) nobody actually really liked high school. Nobody did. No, wait, what about the sporty kids? Not even them, no. Not even them? Because I didn't hang out with them, did you? They're like, well, I fucking drank my way through fucking, you know, high school. That shit sucked. The only (laughs) thing that was, like, good about it was, you know, like, banging cheerleaders and whatever. Like, So they're saying it was good? No. Okay. I mean, it sucks to be um, a child, you know, illegally a child. You were legally an underclass. Oh, you think so? Yes. Why? Your rights are restricted just straight across the board. Um, You're allowed to be treated in a way that adults just can't be treated. Um, If you're a very young child, you know, even like assault and battery is considered you know, normal part of discipline. Mm-hmm. But for um, even high school students, you're allowed to be humiliated publicly, um, you know, treated with like all types of sadistic cruelty by teachers and staff and faculty. And like you are put into um, a detention, right? Which is just like a, a sort of um, a, a type of like, like uh, what is it? I don't want to say jail. It's just like it's confinement, right? Mm-hmm. It's It's like... It's humiliating in a way. It's like you get put in the box. Okay. How would you say to deal with situations then? You don't. Like nobody, but, nobody deals like, with it. Yeah, they all but just fucking kill what, themselves like on the inside. But what about when kids push back? Because they really do like to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, then they get um, labelled a problem. Yeah. But how, how do you control a room full of kids when some of them push back like what well, do you that's, do that's the whole thing is like why is it that we perceive children as something that needs to be controlled okay so say you've got a little kid and a busy road and they mm-hmm. want to cr- run across the road you have to control them you can teach that child that they shouldn't run across the road mm-hmm. and we can build our society in a way that um gives a fuck about <laughs> 
pedestrians um, and other animals, because it's not just children that get run over, right? Like, it's like, why do we accept all of these, like, things, you know, as a necessary part of our society? Like, we didn't have to build our society in a way that, like, put, like, like cars suck. They're, they're, they're giant moving metal, like, death coffins. And I'm, I'm saying this because I almost died in a car accident when I was little. Okay. Um, but I, I hate cars. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, they're like, what, they're like number three cause of death or something in the world? Sounds to me like you felt very controlled without any benefits as a child. Exactly, right. Yeah. I don't think there is any. I think it's, um, I, I think it's a way to um, condition children to obey authority and to um, lose their sense of autonomy and, you know, willful independence. It's, it's to break their spirits and condition them into being docile, domesticated, obedient workers. Mm-hmm. So you never That's felt... That's my personal opinion, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You never felt protected no, by those rules? absolutely not. Mm. No, I, I had no, no protection from the way that I was treated by anyone. Yeah. But do you think other kids might have? No. I, I you don't, don't. I really don't, don't think so. You don't think they've been protected? I I, I don't know. And if they have, fuck them. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. <yeah>, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah. I mean, people have different childhoods, don't they? I mean, and then the funny thing is, of course, we have kids because we delight in watching them go through it. So. It must be good on some level. I just, I think the, the whole dividing the world into children and adults has something very wrong with it to begin with. Like, mm. children should be integrated into every part of our lives, I think. Okay. Like, they should be free to go where they want. And if they want to learn about, you know, um, how construction works, they should go and, you know, hang out at a construction site and we should be able to accommodate that and be like, Hey, you know, there's a kid here who wants to learn about construction. Why don't we like show them around and make sure to keep them safe while also like, you know, having them participate in their own little ways. Mm. Like imagine if the world was free for children to just do whatever they wanted to learn, whatever they wanted and to move around and people would just naturally, you know, protect and, and nurture them. Am I hearing something where you felt shut out when you were a child, like you weren't able to access adults and sort of uh, maybe mentorship? The world is segregated, right? Like workplaces Mm -hmm. are supposed to be child-free. We are supposed to like condition or like cordon off like children into this one part of society and then adults are over here, and we're supposed to protect children from the adult stuff, right? But I don't, I don't see why we should do that. That wasn't my question. Oh, was I <laughs> okay? Yes, um, did, I felt did... like um, I was just generally deprived as a child. Um, mm-hmm. As in, I was, uh, I was made to entertain myself and not interact with a lot of people. Okay. So you might have experienced things as seeing a lot of stuff going on out there and wanting that um, that sort of supervision, that caring supervision by adults, and you didn't get to access it? 
I didn't want anything to do with with supervision. I wanted to get the fuck away from being controlled. Like, absolutely hated it. Okay. So how were you controlled? Or is that too – we don't have to go into that if you don't want to. Um, I'm just trying to understand. I mean, it's like – and then in the ways that, like, I guess most children are, like, my freedom is, is extremely limited. I, you know, would be – locked in my room or I would be like um, deprived of, of like certain privileges. Like I can't, you know, do things like watch TV or have friends or, um, you know, have a phone or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I get grounded and it's like, okay, cool. So I learned to um, not let that limit my behavior because I was a little bit, you know, defiant and I, I, if I, it didn't make sense to me to obey, then I wouldn't. And, Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just like to do whatever I wanted and then it, consequences would happen and then I would just let them happen and then go back to doing what I wanted. <laughs> so did they keep up with those same consequences? Because it sounds like they weren't very effective. I mean, what they were, I guess. They, they were effective in punishing me. I mean, were they effective in stopping my behavior? No. What the fuck? No. Well, then, well, I, then they're useless, aren't they? They're yes. fairly useless, yeah. But yeah, they but were I, useful in hurting me. So, mm, do you, and, oh, so you feel that was their real purpose? Yeah, it was oh. asserting dominance, right? It's like you defied me. Um, oh. Here's what happens when you defy me: you get hurt. Ah, oh. yeah. So using your behavior as an excuse to mm-hmm. be quite punitive and cruel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then of course whether it changes the behavior or not, and particularly if it doesn't, that's more preferable, isn't it? Because then that cycle can keep going. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, if it's not working, you would think they would do something different, but they don't care. It's like, no, you brought this upon yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the rules. This is what app. It's like, okay, yeah, sure, cool. Okay. Whatever. Because, you like, know, I, I've, I've actually seen um, – families or parents where children are sort of given consequences or they're admonished or whatever but they're also subtly encouraged to break the rules have you seen that or did you get that like I don't know uh, you know actually I I don't I've never really considered that yeah because I've seen I've seen say some parents will say oh so and so did this and then they might sort of giggle about it so they might say, oh, oh you know, right. they're really naughty. No, that was definitely blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah, and then they giggle about it and it's like that. So they're like, like literally. And holler. Okay. And, and then. Like drunk and just, yeah, embarrassing, all that. So she'd like be negative and then maybe <laughs> once she said you did the wrong thing, she'd switch into a, a boast or kind of um, – approving of it subtly approving of your misbehavior because that's what i've seen no not approving it was okay. more just like look at this stupid idiot like you know uh, okay keeps you know getting themselves punished like so she was really discharging onto you oh uh, yeah yeah so it wasn't I mean, it, just she felt really mad that she you know felt like helpless to to get me to do what she wanted yeah but why the personal insults (laughs) that's a good question yeah 
because it, it's like um, as a mum, like if you discipline a kid, you go, okay, you've done this and as a result you're getting this consequence because I want you to change your behaviour mm-hmm. um, and I, I need it. But there's it's nothing personally. It's no reflection on the person themselves, on me well, or on them. I've, and yet, um, yeah, these, these are like completely foreign concepts to me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you're... I thought the whole point of punishment was to humiliate and degrade, you know, the child. Yeah. Oh, and so maybe that misbehavior, what could there have been like that sort of subconscious encouragement of it? Because then it allows that person to discharge their own fatalism. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's an outlet, and, right? Yeah, and also their self hatred. And frustration. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's an excuse to then come along and go, well, now I can now I can dump on you with all these personal insults because you've done this thing and that's given me that excuse. Just yeah. a thought. Yeah. Yeah, and I did, I also, yeah, I knew a mum too who, yeah, she was really controlling, um, yeah, and to her children when they were young and she'd really get them to grovel and apologize and I mean even for feeling angry with her which I thought oh it was Mm -hmm. so uncomfortable to watch because nobody chooses how they feel and honestly if your kid is shitty with you they probably have a reason so I don't think you should ever punish yeah their their reason is that is that they're being bad yeah it was it was such a power thing yeah and Mm -hmm. it was really uncomfortable to watch um, right. of course I mean, I- it's like for a lot of parents, it's like I had to go through it as a child, you know, now it's my turn. Yeah. Yeah. I finally get to have the power and I, yeah. it's ultimate power over a child. It is. Though children can really get up your nose. I do have to say that. Uh, it is hard work, but yeah, it's, it's no excuse for cruelty, is it? Yeah, so there's maybe there's a difference between uh, discipline and cruelty. I don't. I'm not sure. Like, as I, I really think discipline should ultimately be something that comes from the self. Yeah, but then how do you do that if you're not shown? Like, you have to kind of comply for a while, and after a while, you mm-hmm. go, "Oh yeah, you know, I've eaten my veggies for the well, last month, and I'm naturally starting mirror. to feel better." Children will naturally mirror and they want to, they want to be like the people they admire. You That's just have true. to embody the qualities that you want them to have. But they don't always admire their parents. Well, <laughs> they why would they? Because. So, like, that shouldn't be the case. Like it really just shouldn't. Yeah, like if no. that is happening, there's something going wrong. Don't, like I, it's, it's like usually there is something like emotionally dysregulated there that the parent is just, has something that they're not addressing, like, you know, some sort of uh, underlying trauma or just long-standing problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So, and, of course, a lot of, well, I would say all of our parents would have, yeah, would have long-standing trauma, and that's, like, mm-hmm. I need to bring that up. All because, of them, basically yeah, all of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because we, we were kind of on the receiving end, so... As much oh, yeah, as I don't, can... don't want to blame parents either. Like, I really don't like want to be like parents are just so like so, so dumb. Yeah, like it's just I don't think blame is like the useful way of looking at this. I think it's more just like here's what's happening. You know, here's what's going wrong. Here's what we should do about it. 
Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't mind blaming, but <laughs> I'm going to admit also that they're human beings and maybe had their own traumas. Um, well, but like okay. you are on both sides of that, right? Because you are also a parent. Yeah. And so you should, you should maybe like take into consideration that the way you think about your parents is in part going to be the way that you think about yourself at some level. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get some uh, criticism. It just, it's what it has to be. Yeah. From them. I, yeah. I'm not perfect. It's just, a, it's a thing because we end up thinking that we're not going to do the same things that our parents do, like did, and then we, we do it anyway. Yeah, or we, or we swing against it and do something equally shit. Oh, right, or we, we overcompensate, of course. Yeah, we overcompensate and we're just so thrilled that mm -hmm. we are different and then we're like, fuck, I didn't see that one coming. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's usually where the, the like, um, behaviors will, like, skip a generation, you know. Oh, okay. Did you have that in your family? Um, probably. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't really know. I don't know a lot about, um, I don't even know a lot about my sister's childhood because she's considerably older than me. Mm-hmm. So I, I really don't know. Yeah. Okay. So what you're saying has made me think of another article that I really love on this site called evolutioncounseling.com with a therapist who's written some amazing stuff and he wrote one blog post, Punishing Misbehavior as a Pretext for Sadistic Impulses. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, you feel that you've experienced that. I, I, I only not feel that, but I think all punishment is sadistic. Okay. Because Do I, I, really, I don't think punishment is an effective way to encourage like behavior that you want to see. I think mm -hmm. the best way to do that is to reinforce the behavior that you want to encourage with mm -hmm. like positive reinforcement. And yep. what negative reinforcement does is it teaches you to avoid getting punished. Okay. And as as a little goody two shoes, you must have had a lot of those negative consequences and can speak with authority on that experience, whereas I can't really. So go Did ahead. you not get punished a lot? Uh, I was no. punished uh, nonstop throughout oh. my entire childhood and like at school and everywhere. Just uh, so stupid fucking. Oh my god, I I hate, I hate. I was an in school suspension. That was probably the worst thing that I had to deal with. Suspension, in school suspension. Oh, is that like being put in detention where you have to go off somewhere so else? And they removed me from the regular classroom and they put me in what is like amounts to a broom closet, right? And so mm -hmm. I'm supposed to just um, do these little worksheets or whatever instead of like being able to attend class. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a door behind me with a little teeny window on it where people can come and look and make sure that I'm staying on task and not like sleeping or something. Oh, but I can't that... tell when they're doing that, right? Because it's it's to my back. Oh, and that... uh, yeah, it's just it's just isolation for the entire day, and I'm just you know it's like jail. Yeah, and oh, I was thinking about like a a cell, a psychiatric padded cell type thing. It it, it yeah, when they're it looking at unbearable. you, 
Yeah. So how how often and how long a time were you in these? Mm-hmm. I, in- I, I mean, like, in school suspension, I would spend entire, like, school semesters um, just by myself sometimes. Um, or It was, like, mm-hmm. six weeks at a time. I don't know. Holy moly. But, um, yeah, I don't – it's, like – I, I so prefer like, you know, being hit or being yelled at to just the isolation. Isolation is the absolute worst. Oh, why is that? It's just, it's like, I cannot stand being bored and understimulated. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you put me in a, in a room and you're just like, like, don't do anything. Sit still, do your work. Don't, don't yeah. make noises. Don't, you know, move around or whatever. And it's like, oh my God, like. Nothing killed mm. me harder than that. Like, <laughs> okay. And did you miss uh, not being around your peers as well? I mean, I have no stimulation. It's quiet uh, in there. Yeah, like, you know, it's it's it. There's just it's nothing. It's like, mm. uh, it's, it's worse than it's worse than jail. Even like, I don't know. I've been in jail, and jail jails. At least I can hear the other inmates screaming like fuck. <laughs> yeah. So you you really cut off from humans. Yes, it's it's that's what it like is, and it? it's it doesn't. I don't know what it's supposed to teach me, except for to um, absolutely hate humans. Hmm. Wow. You know what this reminds me of? I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm actually Australian. Um, I don't. I could not tell. That's that's amazing. Couldn't you? <laughs> or as we call it over here, Australian. That's uh-huh. like with the Australian accent. Um, and there is an island to the south, Tasmania, which is part of Australia, and it has or had a number of penal colonies um, from the 1800s. And I remember visiting one and they had some displays and they'd done, like they'd brought in a new sort of routine, which, you know, they thought was genius, which was uh, people would be locked in their cells, but they, they're allowed out. But when they came out as punishment, they had to, I think, wear masks and they were not allowed to speak or interact with each other. And yeah, after what not too long. What was the punishment if they did? I don't know. Probably just go back to your cell. But yeah, they started mm. to go insane. Yeah. So yeah, they did drop that. But yeah, and yeah, it's like, um, you know, it's like, oh, you're this kid is misbehaving. I know. Let's just do all the things that are going to make them want to misbehave more. Mm-hmm. Because okay. I, I would get in some fights and stuff, and um, like, oh, that makes you a bad kid. And so we're gonna like. <laughs> make you into a really bad kid <laughs> so what what would you have liked them to have done instead i don't know like figured out why the fuck i'm mad mm-hmm. I, I don't, gave a fuck about me and instead of just being like oh this is this is our oh, this is our chance we're gonna humiliate this this kid and make them feel like garbage and just like tear them down and tell them how bad they are it's like oh that's gonna be really good for me mm-hmm well, that can can I read you a bit of this article because it's so relevant. Um, Go ahead. So he says, when people have unwanted thoughts and impulses that feel unacceptable, the psychological solution is to repress them, banishing them from conscious awareness. But these thoughts and impulses don't go away. They're just buried. They still mm-hmm. exert a profound influence on behavior. What the fuck is that noise? Oh, my God. I moved one thing. <laughs> Is that it sounded like a newspaper or like some paper wrapping? It was on a your food. plastic bag. 
Oh, okay then. All right. Can I can I start reading again? Yeah, you can start out if you want. <laughs> okay. I, I apologize. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm probably doing that subconsciously at some level, like on purpose. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I might, I'm very fucking well might be. I'm trying to examine why I keep doing that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, because we were just talking about schools and that set you off, didn't it? Yeah, I'm fucking pissed actually, yeah. So. Yeah, are you? Yeah, I'm actually really pissed, yeah. Just bring it up. Yeah. Did you, should I not talk about it? No, no, no it's fine. Like I'm usually pissed, so. Oh, okay, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> So, um, but these thoughts and impulses don't go away. They're just buried and they still exert a profound influence on behavior. In order to express these taboo impulses, which are like an itch that needs to be scratched, um, people basically says they rationalize it and they look for socially acceptable ways to Mm -hmm. um, satisfy those needs without the torment, the psychological torment of knowing that they're doing the, the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, probably one of the most taboo impulses is to cause another human being pain and suffering, which is why sadistic thoughts and feelings are almost always repressed. And then the corresponding behaviors are rationalized. Few people would admit to being cruel, but of course, many are. One of the ways this cruelty manifests itself is through punishing misbehavior. So mm-hmm. you're saying you're on the receiving end of that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm one of the people, the few people who who really really owned like my sadistic impulses. Like I was really into fantasizing about hurting people. From how young? I don't know. As long as I can remember. Okay. And did you express that openly to others? Like, did you tell them that, or or yeah, show I mean, them that? I got in fights. And I hurt animals and, um, you know, all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, did, I did really destructive things, like really destructive things. Mm-hmm. And so I, yeah. How did people respond to you? Sorry, I just took a bite of food. Oh, well, they, you know, had to, of course, um, punish me and tell me how bad I was and how evil I was and all that. Okay. So am I hearing that they just reinforced it in a way mm-hmm. by punishing you yeah oh that's interesting mm. it just makes me rethink the whole way we approach kids in schools yeah mm. and then of course once you grow up it's sort of set in stone isn't it it's I mean, part of even your, before you- then I, I was fantasizing about like torturing and killing people like at age 14 Okay. Hmm. Did you want help with dealing with those emotions or were they just I didn't satisfying? Know what that meant. I didn't really okay. know what that meant. Yeah, like, but Have I, you I ever... just thought this was the world, like something was wrong with the fucking world and um, like with humans. And so humans should just suffer and die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I guess we all have those feelings to a degree because um, you go home and turn on the TV and what's on it. Oh, right. Well, th- yeah. in that case, it's like, oh, well, that group of people, they're the bad ones, right? Yeah. I or didn't it's, care. I didn't care who. Yeah. Or, it, you know, they're overseas or whatever, or it's mm-hmm. just a movie. Right. Yeah. And I just, I, I saw John Wick. 
the most recent one, and that was mm-hmm. just like killing. That was like three hours of killing. It was really right. boring, though. Yeah, it's just there wasn't even a story to it. It was just killing. Yeah, it's just a power fantasy thing. Yeah, yeah, and like you've got to really hate the other, don't you, to enjoy that that movie with all the killing? Because if it's just a whole, you know, if it's just waves of nameless people being killed, it's boring. It's kind of boring, um, unless like it's I don't know, the super gory and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, can you handle gore then? I love gore. Do you? (laughs) Yeah. How do you indulge in your love of gore? Um, what is, what do you mean? Like, do, what, what do I, like, do I seek out, like, gore stuff? Yeah. Um, I mean, I used to look at the, the very fucked up stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, the, the GoPro videos of, like, soldiers, like, going and, like, massacring a house full of people or, like, mm-hmm. the videos of, um, mass shootings and all that, and just, uh, just whatever gore you could find that's like you know your your mm-hmm. uh, what's it called? Um, not so, what, what is what is what are the videos called again? I, like the word is eluding me. Yeah, I know what you mean. Did that help you? Like, so obviously you've felt these really strong feelings. So mm-hmm. you've managed them though, in a way. So. Do, sort of accessing that stuff, did that help you to control them, those feelings? Um, I don't know. Um, I'm really not sure if it did that or not. Okay. Cause that's a, that's a, like an okay question, but I'm really not sure if it did that or not or if it encouraged me. You know, it's really hard to say. Mm-hmm. Because you, you did say um, in our last talk that you – maintain distance with your friends in order to keep things to keep from hurting them is that correct yeah yeah I mean I, mm. I feel like most people do that to some extent oh yeah that's not? true isn't it yeah I mean, that's true yeah we bite our tongue don't we, we we'd we like to say something and we don't say it or whatever right because you, you have like you know it's like you know I love that person but if I had to live with them I'd kill them like yeah that's yeah <laughs> It's very common, isn't it? Especially after some time. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Mm. And like even there's so many interesting share house stories, aren't there? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, some people manage though, but yeah, it is a challenge, isn't it? Hmm. Okay. So we've been talking for a while. I think we've come to the end of this for now. Okay. Just for now. So, um, we didn't end up really going into the HSP that much, except I. I, I, I think we did. I think we, we. I think we went a good amount into it. Like I really do. Yeah. I mean, well, but, like we didn't. Did we not finish the article? No, no. But that's okay. Um, yeah, and that was enough embarrassment from me <laughs> to admit to things. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for that, and um, I look forward to our next chat. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye. Bye.